Passage, chapter 13. We'll be reading verses 1 through 7 together this morning, but we'll be looking at verses 1 through 2. And I'll go ahead and read the text for us. And the Lord says through the Apostle Paul, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those who exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to who is who respect is owed, and honor to whom honor is owed. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word this morning. So this morning we're going to be continuing to look at a Christian view of government. Now last week we looked at the role of governing authorities, and if you recall, we learned that the role of governing authorities is to submit to God and to serve as his servant, minister, and deacon by rewarding good and punishing evil. Now, if you'd like more information on that, I would refer you back to last week's sermon. That's available to you on Facebook. It's very, very important, if you haven't listened to it, that you go back and listen to it so that you may properly understand the things that we're going to be talking about today. And so, in our time together this morning, we're going to be looking at what it looks like for Christians to submit to legitimate governing authorities and what it also looks like for Christians to resist illegitimate governing authorities. So, if you're a note taker, those will be our two points for this morning Christian submission to legitimate governing authorities and Christian resistance to illegitimate governing authorities. In verses one through two, Paul tells us how Christians ought to relate to and view legitimate governing authorities. There he tells us that every person is to be subject to them. And the reason why Paul says that we are to be subject is because there is no authority except from God. He says that those who exist as governing authorities have been instituted by God himself. In other words, that means that God, in his sovereignty, is the one who raises up and takes down governing authorities. You see, the prophet Daniel said this very same thing in Daniel 2.21. There he said that he, God, changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings, and he gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. And because this is true, Paul says that when we try to resist legitimate governing authorities, we are resisting what God has appointed. And because we are resisting what God has appointed, he says that men bring judgment upon themselves by doing so. There's a curse attached to not being in submission to legitimate governing authorities, and we see that it comes from God himself. 
John Calvin, the Protestant reformer in Geneva, Switzerland, said it this way, the reason why we ought to be subject to magistrates is because they are constituted by God's ordination. For since it pleases God thus to govern the world, he who attempts to invert the order of God and thus to resist God himself despises his power, since to despise the providence of him who is the founder of civil power is to carry on war with him. Now, again, we must remember what Paul said last week when we looked at verses 3 through 4. The governing authorities that Christians should submit to, that are legitimate, are those who submit to Christ as Lord and act as his minister, servant, and deacon, and who reward good and punish evil. That is the God-ordained role for governing authorities. And when they act outside of that, they are acting outside of their God-ordained role. Now, the question at this point is, what happens when governing authorities stop performing their God-ordained duty of punishing evil and rewarding good? What happens when they begin operating outside of their God-ordained duties? Right? What do we do when governing authorities actually start rewarding evil and punishing good? What do we do when they start persecuting Christians who hold to God's standard of good? And tell us that we must capitulate whenever it comes to issues such as abortion, the destruction of gender and sexuality, and so on. Is it legitimate for Christians then to resist governing authorities in these cases? Well, I believe that the answer that we see in Scripture and throughout church history is a clear yes. You see, even the apostles themselves at one point when asked by the authorities to stop preaching in the name of Jesus in Acts 5.29, said, we must obey God rather than man. So yes, there is a time when governing authorities become enemies of God rather than his servant or his deacon. And there are times, legitimate times, when Christians may indeed resist. Now, I'm not the only person who has said this. This idea isn't novel with me. Origen, one of the early church fathers from Alexandria, Egypt, wrote that when governing authorities been, begin act, acting outside of God's ordained role, that God's judgment against the authorities will be just if they have used the powers that they have received according to their own ungodliness and not according to the laws of God. He says this injunction, that Christians ought to be submissive to governing authorities, he says this injunction does not apply in the case of authorities who persecute the faith. It only applies to those who are going about their proper business. So I hope you say that this novel isn't ideal with me. I'm not the only person who has said this. So the question at this point becomes, what then does legitimate Christian resistance look like? Well, one of the first places that we see legitimate, God-glorifying Christian resistance to tyrannical government is in the book of Exodus. And in the passage that we're about to look at, we see Pharaoh, who had just started oppressing the people of Israel, tell the midwives who delivered Hebrew children to start killing male Hebrew children. I want you to see what their response was in the text. The text says this in Exodus 1, 15 through 21. Then the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shephira and the other Puah, when you serve as midwives to the Hebrew women, and you see them on the birth stool. If it is a son, you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, 
she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but they let the male children live. So the king of Egypt called the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this? And let the male children live. The midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and they give birth before the midwife comes to them. So God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and grew very strong. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families. Now, notice in this text that the resistance of the Hebrew midwives to the governing authority of Pharaoh isn't depicted as evil or sinful. Actually, it's depicted as godly resistance because it says twice in the text that they were women who feared God. And because of that, we see that God dealt well with them in verse 20, and he gives them families in verse 21 as a reward for their obedience to him and loving their neighbors. So here we have a clear, legitimate resistance to government that is clearly regarded as godly. Now, a second example of this that we'll look at is in the prophet Daniel in Daniel 6. In Daniel 6, 1 through 9, we learn that the Babylonian officials called the satraps, that they had conspired against Daniel. You see, Daniel had become distinguished above all of them, and they didn't like that. So they went to King Darius, who was a Medo-Persian king who had been installed over Babylon. Persia was overtaking Babylon at this, po this point. And they put pressure on King Darius, who was also a friend of Daniel, they put pressure on him to make an injunction prohibiting prayer to any gods for 30 days. They wanted to trap Daniel because they knew that he was a faithful man. We see that Darius gives in, and he does it. And in Daniel 6.10, we learn that Daniel knew that the injunction had been signed by King Darius and that prayer to God had been prohibited. And what was it that Daniel did? He decided to remain faithful to God. We see in the text that it says that he continued to pray three times a day, just as he had always done in his home. Now, the thing to notice in Daniel 6 is that Daniel is actually commended by God for his faithfulness, even when it meant disobeying earthly governing authorities. Think about it. When he's taken away to the lion's den, what happens? Does God curse him and tell him, you should have just submitted, Daniel? No. Instead, God delivers Daniel and ends up saving the Medo-Persian king Darius through Daniel's faithful witness. So we see that Christian resistance to tyranny looks like remaining faithful to our God. It looks like peaceful resistance and even being willing to lay down our own lives as martyrs if the time comes to do so. That's the testimony that we see present in the scriptures. And it's also the testimony that we see present in church history as well. Martin Luther, who was the spark that lit the Protestant Reformation in 1517, also, also uh, modeled this in his own life and ministry as well. 
1521, after Luther had started writing and preaching about the doctrine of justification and salvation by faith alone, he was called to stand before an imperial assembly called the Diet of Worms and to give testimony in front of the emperor of the Holy Roman Empire. And he was asked by the emperor to recant his position that salvation was by grace through faith alone. And do you know what Luther's response was? It wasn't to pick up his sword and to start fighting. And it also wasn't to submit and to violate his faith and conscience. Rather, his response was, I cannot and will not recant anything. For to go against conscience is neither right nor safe. Here I stand. I can do no other. So help me God. Amen. So I hope we see this morning that as Christians, our first response to governing authorities should be to submit when they are legitimate. Right? We should understand that the governments are raised up and taken down by God and that their role is to serve as his minister by wielding his delegated authority in a way that is good. But I hope that we also see that when we cannot, because they've become illegitimate, we also have biblical and historical precedent for peaceful resistance. Now, all of these are great examples of what the Christian ethic looks like in regards to this topic. However, brothers and sisters, I believe that the greatest place that we see all of these things modeled for us, par excellence, to perfection, is by looking unto Jesus. Amen? You see, by looking unto Jesus, we learn what submission to legitimate governing authorities looks like, and we also see what peaceful resistance to illegitimate governing authorities looks like as well. I want you to think about the gospel stories that each, writer's, each writer of the gospel tell us, right? Did Jesus in his ministry spend his time looking for ways to be a radical anarchist, looking for ways to take down the powers that be? Well, the answer is no. But was Jesus also a statist who was willing to bow down and worship the state? The answer again was no. You see, in the life of Jesus, we see a man who was a good citizen when governing authorities were legitimate. And in the life of Jesus, we also see a man who was willing to challenge governing authorities when they were illegitimate. Think with me, with me if you would, just for a moment. What was it that Jesus was arrested for? Right? What was it that the Jews wanted to try him for? If you recall, in Matthew 26, 57 through 68, we learned that they had tried Jesus for blasphemy. If you remember, he was claiming that he and the Father were one and that he had been sent by the Father to preach the gospel of the kingdom, which was and is that he has become the king of the nations by dethroning the rulers and the principalities through his sacrificial life, death, burial, and resurrection for the forgiveness of sins, and through his ascension and enthronement at the right hand of the Father in heaven. And because he resisted and refused to stop proclaiming this message when the authorities had told, told him to. He was arrested, and he was tried, and he willfully went to the cross where he would die and would be raised three days later.
And in conclusion this morning, brothers and sisters, the way of Jesus must be our way as well. You see, when governing authorities are legitimate, we must submit like Jesus, realizing that God has ordained them for our good and for the good of society. We should not be anarchists who are looking for a fight. And where governing authorities are illegitimate, we must resist like Jesus, realizing that they have usurped authority for themselves that God has not given them. We should not be statists willing to bow the knee to anyone other than Christ. Let's pray.